Hello, and welcome to Notes in the Week Ahead, a JP Morgan Asset Management podcast that provides insights on the markets and the economy to help you stay informed in the week ahead. Hello, this is David Kelly. I'm Chief Strategist here at JP Morgan Asset Management. Today is January 29th, 2024. This Friday, the groundhog will emerge unwillingly from his lair examine the available evidence, that is to say the presence or absence of a shadow, and in all probability reject any speculation about an early spring, at least for the next six weeks. According to USA Today, this has been the groundhog's prediction in 107 of the last 127 years, or 84% of the time. That being said, the Weather Channel is forecasting considerable cloudiness over Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania on February 2nd, so we might still get lucky. This event will be preceded by the Federal Reserve Statement and Jay Powell's press conference on Wednesday, where a similar conclusion will likely be announced. Having examined the available evidence, the committee feels that it is too early to talk about monetary easing and that we should tune in to their next meeting in six weeks' time. The bottom line is that while inflation continues to moderate in line with the Fed's hopes, economic growth has been stronger than they expected, long-term interest rates have fallen and the stock market has risen sharply, reducing the need for any early easing and increasing, in their minds, the risk that any such easing could restoke inflation. That being said, data due this week could help trace out a likely path for the economy from here, providing guidance to the Fed and investors alike. Last week's GDP report showed annualized growth of 3.3% in the fourth quarter. This was far above the consensus expectation for a 2% gain and implied a 3.1% year-over-year increase, much higher than the 2.6% that Fed officials had penciled in at their mid-December meeting. The report showed broad strength, but particularly strong gains in the very volatile trade and inventory areas, some of which may be reversed in the first quarter. That being said, consumer spending will likely be sustained by strong stock market gains, now positive real wage growth, and improving consumer attitudes entering the new year. The week ahead should provide some further evidence of these issues, with new readings on the Employment Cost Index, average hourly earnings, consumer confidence, and consumer sentiment. Elsewhere, investment spending remains resilient, and government spending looks set to expand at a moderate pace. Putting it all together, real GDP growth looks set to slow from 3.3% in the fourth quarter to somewhere in a range of 2-3% to in the first, representing a distinctly moderate moderation in growth. Friday's employment report should continue to show a very tight labour market. Joe stated due out on Tuesday could show a further minor decline in job openings at the end of December. However, this would still leave one million more vacancies than their pre-pandemic peak. This backlog of job openings, combined with strong real GDP growth in recent quarters, should be enough to allow for solid January gains in payroll jobs. Although weather effects, seasonal factors and a lack of available workers could all impact this number. It should also be noted that any message from the January jobs report could be even harder to interpret due to benchmark revisions to the payroll numbers and the annual adjustment to population numbers in the household survey. Year-over-year wage growth, which fell from 5.9% in March 2022 to 4.2% in September 2023, has since stabilised and we expect another 4.2% year-over-year gain in the January numbers. However, with strong productivity gains, companies should be able to absorb these wage increases without adding significantly to price pressures, and productivity gains have been strong. We expect Thursday's productivity report to show fourth quarter output per hour 
up a very healthy 2.6% year-over-year in the private non-farm business sector, with unit labour costs rising just 2.1% year-over-year, a number that is completely compatible with the Fed's 2% inflation target. On inflation, last Friday's December PCE deflator data came in even weaker than had been expected, given the December CPI numbers. The Fed's official target, the year-over-year growth rate in the headline PCE deflator, came in at 2.6%, consensus 2.7%, while the year-over-year change in the core deflator was 2.9%, compared to a consensus of 3.0%. While coming in one-tenth of a percent lower than expected could hardly be classified as a shock, it may actually be important, since it makes it more likely that the year-over-year growth in both of these numbers could fall to close to 2% by this spring, well ahead of the Fed's own forecasts. Other parts of the inflation story continue to point to moderation. There will be some inflationary impact from increased shipping costs as cargo ships avoid the Red Sea, and last week's flash PMI data suggested a modest pickup in global economic momentum. However, 80% of the 3.4% year-over-year growth seen in headline CPI in December came from auto insurance, rent, and owner's equivalent rent. All of these series lag actual transactions prices in the marketplace and should fall throughout 2024, keeping U.S. inflation firmly on a track to 2%. In their communications on Wednesday, the Fed will likely acknowledge the stronger-than-expected pace of economic growth, while still expressing cautious optimism that inflation is still heading back towards their 2% target. As noted in the Fed minutes from their December meeting, they will likely begin to discuss a plan to phase out the quantitative tightening program. However, Chairman Powell will undoubtedly stress that they are still very far from any implementation of such a plan. More generally, the Fed will try to douse hopes of any early easing in policy. This is in part because they are genuinely uncertain about how sticky inflation might be in an economy experiencing above-trend economic growth and a still very tight labour market. But they're also wary of giving too much encouragement to investors. Their mid-December communications added extra fuel to a sharp decline in long-term interest rates, which saw 10-year Treasury yields fall by more than 1% from late October to late December, and a stock market rally that has seen the S&P 500 rise by almost 19% just in the last three months. In their view of the world, this sudden easing of financial conditions has the potential to add to both growth and inflation. Going into this meeting, the Fed Fund's futures markets appears to be predicting five rate cuts in 2024, with almost a 50% shot of a sixth, However, it could be argued that this isn't so much one prediction as the weighted average of two scenarios. Investors could well be assuming that, provided the economy remains strong, the Fed will only deliver its current forecast of 75 basis points in easing this year. However, were the economy to fall into recession, the Fed might well cut rates by 300 basis points or more. If investors regard a soft landing as probable, but a recession as quite possible, then pricing in the Fed Fund's futures market may be more rational than it seems. That being said, the Fed probably regards it as a sign that its messaging isn't working, so some fairly hawkish language is likely on the cards for Wednesday. Finally, this week will also see the most important week in the the quarter for earnings season, with 106 of the S&P 500 companies set to announce results. So far, the reports have been uninspiring, with only 65% of companies surprising to the upside on earnings, the lowest percentage since the onset of the pandemic. However, five of the magnificent seven tech companies are due to report this week, and these companies should have a huge impact, for better or worse, on aggregate earnings. For investors, it has been a good start to the year, albeit with a further concentration of stock market gains in the large-cap growth space.
This trend could be sustained for a while as the U.S. economy continues to exhibit robust economic growth even as inflation drifts down. However, markets are, as always, threatened by a multitude of economic, environmental, political and geopolitical risks. Because of this, and because of an even wider dispersion in valuations, it's more important than ever to maintain a well-diversified portfolio. Well, that's it for this week. Please tune in again next week. And if you have any questions in the meantime, please reach out to your J.P. Morgan representative. This content is intended for information only based on assumptions in current market conditions and are subject to change. No warranty of accuracy is given. This content does not contain sufficient information to support investment decisions. It is not to be construed as research, legal, regulatory, tax, accounting, or investment advice. Investments involve risks. Investors should seek professional advice or make an independent evaluation before investing. The value of investments and the income from them may fluctuate, including loss of capital. Past performance and yield are not indicative of current or future results. Forecasts and estimates may or may not come to pass. J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the asset management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide.